Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome to the WP Builds Podcast. This is episode number 162, entitled Information Overload. It was published on Thursday the 16th of January 2020. My name's Nathan Wrigley and I'll be joined in a few moments by David Wormsley because if you're a regular listener to this podcast you will know that every week we do a podcast but we alternate. Some weeks we do interviews with plugin or theme developers and then on other weeks we do discussion episodes as we call them with David and myself and today is one of those so that's what we're going to be talking about the interesting subject of information overload but I'll come to that in a little bit because a few bits of housekeeping first if you wouldn't mind heading over to wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe over there you're going to find all the ways that you can communicate with WP Builds and interact with our content for example you can join our Facebook group of over 2,300 WordPressers it's very friendly in there and lots of questions being asked and I might add being answered by nice WordPressers like yourself uh, well, there's also options on there to sign up to our email lists and to subscribe to us on your favourite podcast player Another link to check out would be wpbuilds.com forward slash deals. Over there, you're going to find a whole ton of WordPress-specific coupon codes for notable themes, plugins, hosting, all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, go check that out. It's a bit like Black Friday, but every day of the week. And the last one that I want to mention is wpbuilds.com forward slash advertise. Please head over there if you would like to get your product or service in front of a WordPress-specific audience. We've had plenty of people do that, and uh, one of them that's doing it right now is GoWP. GoWP is a white-label WordPress maintenance company for agencies. With their pricing, it makes doing maintenance yourself seem silly. One of their most popular features is the Visual Validator tool. It does visual checks on your site after plugin updates, so they know if something is broken immediately and can fix it before you or your client notices. Do yourself a favour and go and check out GoWP at GoWP.com. And we thank GoWP for helping put on the WP Builds podcast. Okay, today the main event, if you like, is the podcast discussion between David Wormsley and myself. It is a another in the series of episodes following the, the book Watertight Marketing by Bryony e. Thomas. This one's called Information Overload, and it's all about whether or not we are putting out the right marketing. So a good example would be how often do you actually open emails from companies that send them to you, from people that send them to you? There's a good chance that Certain senders will get opened every time, perhaps other senders less so, and you might even unsubscribe from certain lists. How do we get our messaging right? But it's not just about email. So for example, it's about the, the thorny problem of trying to get your clients potentially to write engaging, interesting, and SEO purposeful content. Now, I should say at this point that neither David or myself regard ourselves as experts in this, anything but, in fact, but it is nice to chat it through in the same way that your clients probably aren't experts at this, but they're probably looking to you for some guidance. So we've taken our taken our sort of lead from Bryony Thomas's book and be interesting to see what your thoughts are. Please join us, make some comments in the Facebook group or at the bottom of the post and let us know what you think. Anyway, here we go. 
Today's discussion is called Information Overload. And again, it comes from the Watertight Marketing book by Bryony Thomas, where she gives us 13 leaks where businesses can lose business or clients. And we've been talking about each of these in turn. And we're now up to, I think, Nathan, are we number seven? We are. Yeah, I think it's number seven in our series. But because we did a kind of preamble podcast, I think it's the eighth one that we've done. But the first one was just about what we were going to do. So, yeah. Well, normally, I, I just run through the leaks that we've covered. I could do that very quickly, but we're actually into a new phase. So what you have to imagine, if you haven't heard our discussions before, is that we're working through an imaginary funnel, starting from the narrowest point where the we have the customer on board up to those who are not aware of us. And we've been working through where you can lose people through these leaks. So we've had forgotten customers, people who are with us who don't know what we do. We've had poor onboarding. No emotional connection, no gateway trial to our product, no critical approval, no proof. These are all things where clients are evaluating the thing that we're selling. Now we're moving into awareness and information overload. So this is really, I guess, what most people think of marketing, getting your message out there, yeah. making people aware of what we do. Yeah. Now we stress that um, we had a, a really long conversation <laughs> before we pressed record i mean like approaching nearly two hours i think and um we wandered really freely didn't we and we ended up in all sorts of blind alleys so could be quite could be quite rangy this one um we're trying to be a little bit mindful of things which we we want to talk about in other topics and not try to overlap quite so much so um we'll 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 see where this goes it's an interesting subject information yeah. overload i think i should probably just cover the things that she puts in the book which yeah. is she's making i think she's making the point and this book goes back to 2014 where i think kind of sales funnels and the idea of doing a lot of digital marketing was still fairly new to people so i think she's making the the message here that you've got something to sell and and really this book is all about those purchases which need thinking about and need time to process through so she's saying that you need to give little sound bites of information that's useful to people to catch their attention rather than try and explain everything all in one go because there are just too many marketing messages so she's really talking about something that i think we all know about a little bit about content marketing really i think she's introducing with this mm, mm. it's um it's not an area that i have a great deal of expertise in um like you say the book is potentially a little bit i mean four years goodness it's or five years it's not that long is it mm. but in in mm. internet terms i suppose it's a bit of an age we've had a lot of new ideas fresh new ideas mm. come along since this book's been published but yeah uh, okay i'm looking forward to it yeah, and she gives some, I mean, her useful tips from the books really is for, uh, is, is to let people know that you it, what might be useful is some engaging content that takes five minutes for somebody to consume that might be related to your product. And that is pretty much content marketing, isn't it? So in our examples of businesses, that's the kind of thing she does. So blog posts and any kind of other content marketing, any videos where it might help somebody. And effectively, we're... As individuals, we're in that, aren't we? Trying to get clients. Some of us are doing that. I mean, this podcast is partly that, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, we are creating content, and I suppose it adds to the the information overload. You know, associated with this podcast is probably <laughs> a tweet. I'll certainly be sending out a tweet associated with it. So that's that's cluttering up the the internet a little bit, and then there'll be an email that goes out to the the list saying we've produced mm. a new 
podcast episode. So there's some more information we've added to the internet. And uh, yeah, so it goes. Yeah, no, I was coming from a different angle, actually. Ah. So I was just saying that she's talking about the idea that you need to get into little sound bites of what you sell to people rather than trying to present the whole sale in one go. So I see. And I think, do you see what I mean? Yes. So, um, but yeah, she does start as well talking about something like 3,000 marketing messages the average individual gets a day. Is that mostly subliminal? I mean, we're talking about people who are, I guess, walking down the street and are witness to the McDonald's slogan on the outside of McDonald's plus the advertisement that's on the side of the bus stop and things. Because I, I, I can't imagine myself receiving directly targeted at me 3,000 messages. It Mostly, I presume, is just stuff that's in the environment. Yeah, I think it's one of these kind of phony figures that's just gone around. Somebody's kind of stuck with it and said, that sounds good. We'll use that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, I feel it is one of those figures where I don't know how you could possibly count, but it must be including all those kind of things, subliminal messaging that you're seeing through just, I guess, if you look at the label on a T-shirt or something, maybe that's classed as advertising. I don't know. Do you know, it's interesting, though, because I think the environment in which you live, and by that I literally mean your location on the planet, I think is directly impacting this one because whenever I go to, let's take London as an example. I mean, I don't go there frequently, but maybe twice a year I'll go there. And I am I am keenly aware of the amount of information that I'm being given by just walking 100 yards down a typical London street. Whereas oh. where I live, um, like literally my house is surrounded by other houses. There are no... Um, well, the bus stop is literally a sign attached. It's a small sign about, I don't know, about 12 inches square attached to a lamppost. Um, yeah. And there just aren't. We just don't have these messages at all. There is, you know, the, the population density is, is really low. So the, yeah. the, the, the return on the investment of putting those messages out in the environment in which I live would be ridiculous. It would be absolutely not worth doing. And so when I go to places like London with higher population densities, it is amazing how how crammed and overloaded the typical yeah. the typical walk down the street is. It's extraordinary to me how bright, neon, colourful, engaging, noisy it is. And, um, and I've <laughs> kind of tuned my life because of where I live. And, you know, it wasn't a conscious effort that such that where I live is normal. And when I go to London, I can only take so much of it. And after a few days, I get fatigued. And I wonder if mm. part of it is is this, you know, just the overload that every every normal person is subjected to every minute of every day. Yeah. Do you know what? I really noticed I can't watch TV any longer. So when we go on our travels, we hardly ever turn on the TV because it's got advertising. Now I'm used to this you know, for all of my life, I, I was used to TV and watching the adverts. But because since we started traveling and we watched everything on uh, on our laptops, you know, something that's pre-recorded with all the advertising gone, now I suddenly can't watch TV because I've moved away from it. Yeah. It's the same as I'm living in a village now where there's really, there's no billboards or advertising going on here. And right. even when I'm, <laughs> uh, even I'm in Goa at the moment, and even when I just moved to the place that we were living last year, the, the high street hardly has anything on it. It's still classed as a village. It still seems bustly. It still seems like there's too much advertising going on. So it's very relative, isn't it? And I also suspect that, yeah, that the, the, the sort of psychology that you bring to bear on life will also determine <laughs> how much of this you can cope with. But, uh, I mean, presumably... This this idea of three thousand marketing messages a day has 
has some semblance in reality. Um, and if that is the case, good grief! How on earth do you how on earth do you make what you do stand mm. out? It's amazing. Just as a, a complete aside, when I was a child, there was a, a radio program which my parents would have on, and I by proxy listened to it. I wasn't really concentrating, but it was called "Letter from America" by Alistair Cook. Did you ever listen to that? I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was, yeah. On, it was on Radio Four on a Saturday morning, and it was this. It was this um, British guy who'd moved to America and been living there for most of his adult life, and he he would write this hour long piece every single week about his life in America. And one of the one of the interesting things was um, was about advertising and about how um, the the advertising, the prevalence of advertising in in the United States in particular, is really different. They're allowed to do different kinds of things than they are in the UK. So, as an example, the United Kingdom, and I don't know who passed this legislation, but once you reach the end, the boundary of a town, um, and you enter, let's call it just the countryside, for want of a better word, you are absolutely not allowed. To, pos- to position adver- adverts in that environment. It's completely against the law. And the same on things like motorways, you know, big long roads, big high-speed roads. It's just against the law. You cannot advertise on them. Um, whereas in, in the United States, th- those same laws don't apply. And, and when I have been to, for example, places like um, France and America, mm-hmm. it's just really interesting the different approaches they've got to where they position the things, how frequently they're allowed to position the things, uh, how tall they're allowed to be, how you know how wide they're allowed to be. So, as an example, um, in America, a lot of the adverts are very high up. You know, they build great yeah. big gantries, um, and then they illuminate them with light so that you can see them at all times of day and night. And there they are. And, mm-hmm. and people like McDonald's and Taco Bell, they're allowed to have very tall poles with their logo yeah. on the top so that you can see it. Presumably, you can just see it from miles away and decide as you're approaching the town that you want to go to Taco Bell or whatever it is. And, <laughs> and we, we, don't, we don't have that kind of stuff here. So it's just, just a very different approach. And sorry, I went completely off, off, off no, message there. No, but it's kind of relevant. And I also think this chapter in this book maybe is not getting to what I think is the, the, the main message here because she's talking about providing information that's relevant to what you do that's going to be useful for someone to find so that's very much the switch round that we've had in marketing from the old advertising app people it's the difference between push and pull isn't it Mm. so digital marketing is about pulling people in through what they are looking for because they're the ones who are in charge of searching for what they need out of life on the internet where offline it's all been about pushing messages out to people as frequently as you can and mm. putting things on billboards. I think that's what this kind of this whole information overload is supposed to be about. Uh, but it's not maybe that's maybe not the best term for it, because I think, you know, she's suggesting in some ways that you get into the, more of the digital marketing. So you contribute to the online overload. But I, I think she's seen it as a contrast to the billboards, you know, the kind of yeah, that kind of stuff. And I think mm. we're getting well much to the terror of an awful lot of people. The the technologies behind figuring out where that messaging should go are becoming um, really sophisticated and to some extent a little bit scary. 
you know, mm. you only have to take the the example of something a platform like Facebook, which has absolutely masses of data on you, which is an, a complete mm. goldmine for a marketer. You know, you can mm. you can figure out um, that somebody is clearly into, oh, I don't know, knitting, or is into buying or browsing for expensive cars or whatever it might be. You know, whatever your hobby is, um, in a way that has never been possible before. And so the the ad platform that Facebook has has become increasingly popular because they can really target this stuff and. Whilst I find that a little bit creepy, I think mm. I think it's quite nice to to at least see some things that you know are relevant, and also mm. um, you know the idea that 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 people will be moving their ad spend away possibly from just billboard um, posters and what have you, and moving it into online is is I suppose just the direction of travel that's how it's going to be if you can if you can get the same amount of return on the investment from a quarter of the investment that you've made because it's mm. targeted at the right people that that from a business perspective is all for the good but from a an end user's perspective there's an awful lot of people who have very um dubious opinions as to as to whether you know <laughs> people should be able to mine this data and figure out what it is that you like yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, this book is all about uh, essentially what the same message is for most of digital marketers. It's about trying to, well, you know, when we started with websites, that was fine. Everybody wanted to claim their place and people were looking for things. And that was great. SEO worked. But there was that fundamental flaw with websites that about 70 percent of the people who would come would do nothing and never return. So everything has moved in marketing, hasn't it, to how you can always be there with the right information at the right point in somebody's buying journey. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're trying to do all the time, isn't it? Why we want people's email addresses, where we want them on the social media and kind of dripping all these little chunks of information at people constantly that might hit at the right time for them to get them introduced to what it is that you sell. Yeah, and I think that that always struck me as the, I don't know what the right word is here, the the, the sort of the, the pinnacle of advertising. If you can sell, if you can put something in front of me at the exact moment that I need it, then mm. you've won the race. You know, it, again, using the example, let's imagine that I was uh, into knitting, which, as it happens, <laughs> I'm not. But there you go. That's for another day. The um, I could imagine it, though. Yes, yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's very good. <laughs> the, um, you know, if I was literally at the point of embarking on knitting a new jumper and you stick an advert in front of me for your shop, which sells fine woolen materials, you know, balls of wool and so on. It's just the perfect moment. And I guess, I guess these platforms are allowing us to do that. But the the problem with the information overload is that that's never going to happen or it might happen on a happy coincidence, mainly advertising, especially internet marketing, just, very often feels like a much more blunt instrument, just bludgeoning the internet with your message till till the point where you know you've somehow pushed it into my into parts of my brain where I can't forget who you are. You know, you you're just a you're just a name to me now, and I'll never forget who you are because you pushed that message so hard and so often. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is what we suffer with. But I think it's you and I are different to most people out there because we do, as we were talking about earlier, we sign up to a lot of things, not even sure if we were going to be interested in that just because a friend has told us there might be some kind of good deal on this software or, mm. or this kind of marketing tool. So I think we get bombarded 
due to the way that we behave because we're we're not like most people i still look let's put it this way i've just got into trying to do the marketing for clients now so when i feel that they can only think as advertisers are trying to push their message out i'm trying to get them into the idea that they might look at this book and that they might consider a new way of chunking out content so they're always available so i've started to um get into that but it's still a real difficulty for them to to understand that the idea of putting out content so if you were to describe the the kind of content that that you're trying to persuade them to start producing and also the kind of content that you're trying to dissuade them is that a word dissuade yeah i think it is um <laughs> trying to stop them let's use that trying to stop them producing what what are they what are the the sort of typical things that you think a modern um marketing approach online ought to be well i think yeah so the the client i've got now and i can't reveal what it is but they mm. they have uh, some product which is high cost and I, you know, I, I think up until the point where I talked to them, they only had the idea that they would have a Facebook page where they would put out how they're developing this product and what the new thing is in their range and stuff. But what I've tried to get over to them recently is that they need to put out content that's going to meet people who might potentially buy theirs, who, who live the same kind of lifestyle. They might buy their product because it fits in with their lifestyle. So they'll be, if you like, answering questions about things that they'll be interested in, which is travel in their case. Mm. Uh, so not directly marketing. So uh, that's largely what you're trying to do. But also, of course, there's the other content about, and this is a tricky area. I don't know if you, it's good to advise people. We see a lot of people doing it in software where they have comparison charts or they write blog posts where they say, which which page builder should you buy? And they're including their own within that review. Right. Because they're trying to meet, aren't they, the, what the actual searches are. Because big searches out there generally, you know, what is the best of this? <laughs> yeah. It, it feels to me as if, um, where, where, like some product that I bought um, fairly recently, yeah. I, I, it, it would satisfy exactly what you were just talking about. I went to look at the product and then this one particular website came up and they'd got a load of content, which whilst whilst not particularly salesy and a little bit tangential to what I really needed, um, it, it kind of gave me a whole load of confidence about the fact that this company knew what they were doing. Look, you, they've produced lots and lots of articles about this specific thing. Um, they've covered every which angle. So I know that in the future, should I experience a problem with what I've bought, I can always come back and troubleshoot it on their website. But also it kind of, it kind of spoke of, well, they're really into it. And whilst the, the production of those blog pieces was probably horrifically boring, it definitely yeah. worked in the sense that mm. my my Google search, which was not sales related, I wasn't talking about buying, but I was probably using words like um, quality or best or whatever it might have been. Uh, mm. It got me to their website and I was browsing around aimlessly for a few minutes. And then in the end, a few weeks later, went back and bought a fairly high cost item from them. So it worked. Mm. 
Mm, you told me about, you know, a product that done well because they put the time in to create all those articles. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the same for somebody. I'm looking at their SEO and trying to work out what phrases people are looking for that's connected to it. This is the, the book doesn't mention anything like that in, in general terms, mm. but that is the way to probably research isn't it, to see what actually people are typing in and see whether you can realistically compete for those key terms and help people. And, and, you know, through that, they've, you've pulled them rather than pushed your message out to them. You've pulled them in with your content and they get exposed to your branding. I think that's the ideal these days, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, increasingly, I mean, you only have to look in the real world to see that a lot of people literally while away m- many, many hours a week just just trawling the Internet, don't they? I mean, it's I, I, I know that you're living in Goa and I don't know what the... Um, the propensity to have a mobile phone out is in that part of the world. But certainly in the UK, you know, in my house and on the street and in town, you see people uh, take town as the example. You look at a cafe or something, and I would imagine that one-tenth, maybe 20%, maybe 30% of the people sitting with their coffee are just using the internet, you know. and They might be looking at the news, or they might be, in my case, looking for this one particular product. And it's just... I think if you can if you can produce a piece of content which sounds authoritative, well, no, which is authoritative, and it comes across as um, not disingenuous, you know, you really are writing this to be helpful. <clears throat> you're not writing this mm. to be helpful to your SEO. You're writing this to actually be helpful. Then yeah. it's a win. Um, most people who are searching for a product, you know, it, it's a sort of self-serving thing. You want you want to find something quickly. But in my case, uh, you know, especially if I'm buying something slightly more expensive, I am willing to spend, you know, half an hour, an hour trawling the Internet to see what the rivals are, how to maintain it, how it gets fixed, what the aftercare possibilities are, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, yeah. and so getting this content out there in an authentic way is good, but it's so tedious. And I think that how many times have you advised people websites um that you've you've handed over to the client you've you've set up mm. the blog for them they've insisted on having a blog or you've kind of advised them that it would be a good idea and then you go back in a few months time to see how many posts <laughs> they've written and i'm sure the case is always a few at the beginning yeah and then it just yeah dies off because the real world takes over but keeping that going is probably going to help in the end yeah, well, because they, I think in my case, most won't have the budget they, in the first place to do the measurement of what success they're having. So most of them won't even know if they have had success with one of their articles and which one and why. And I think that makes it even harder because they didn't have a name in the first place. They just thought I must put out content. Right. Generally, the easiest thing is to just talk about something they want to sell because I still I still think the majority, at least with the clients that I see, their mindset is still very much in the mass media mindset of advertising mm. out mm. and 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 the kind of slightly arrogant belief that people will be interested in what they're producing rather than what I think most digital marketers know or the mantra really is that people on the web are searching to be better versions of themselves and you have to match that don't you yeah that's an interesting one yeah it's been a it's been a long time since any client said to me why aren't i on google 
I think maybe hopefully those days are over where people have a like a, a fierce misunderstanding of how Google works. Yeah. You know, in yeah. in the past, I think people thought, well, I have a website, I should now be on Google. You know, I should be ranking very well on Google because I have a website. Whereas now I don't seem to get those questions. I think most people understand that there's a little bit more work involved. But nevertheless, doing that work can be uh, a little bit uninteresting. But I, I have some stories which I'm sure I've shared in the past. So I won't share them again now of, of if you are dogged about this stuff and you really do write good content, I, I think the rewards can be amazing. You know, if you're selling um, things which are, you know, two or three pennies each, maybe not. But if you're selling items which mm. cost thousands and thousands of pounds and there's real intricacy and, and um, difficulty in, in understanding how that thing really works, um, yeah, why not? Mm. Go to town on it. But it's it, the, the problem is a lot of the people that I um, am employed by, you know, that I freelance for, uh, they're mm. just, it's just one person. There's just just that person, mm. maybe another person. Neither of them have uh, got the the time really to to create that content. They don't have the budget for that content, so they start off with good intentions, write the couple of blog posts, and then life takes over. We've all been there. It's it's the story of New Year's resolutions, isn't it? Make all these New Year's yeah. resolutions, and by the fourteenth of January, apparently, which um, you know, a couple of weeks, most of them have fallen by the wayside. Very few actually yeah. stick, and it's the way with this. Yeah, and it's a leak, but I don't think it's an essential leak to many businesses. Like we're saying, if it's your local plumber, they're probably not really going to gain too much by putting out to the the global internet all information about how to do certain um, things with their, I don't know, with their pipes or whatever. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, they're not going to gain much from it because... Ultimately, the people are going to pick a plumber, are going to look for local people, look at a picture of them and make a decision that they're quite happy to have them in their home. I agree. I think, you know, there mm. are certain high ticket items where the, the more you can put in the, the, with certainly the, the more that it'll return. The item that you were talking about earlier, which you didn't say what it was, um, is a perfect yeah. case in point. You know, it, it, you, I know what it is that you're on about. So it, it costs an absolute arm and a leg. And yeah. and the the keyword uh, com- competition, by all accounts, from what you've said, is pretty low. So, total win, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. Just just wondering yeah. in terms of how you experience all this overload and and how like, like as an example, my my main point of overload, because I'm not yeah. a heavy Twitter user and I I use Facebook, um, really just just interacting with groups and so on. My main experience of internet marketing and therefore overload is in my email. And I do Mm. receive an awful lot of stuff in my email inbox. And I was thinking about this before we, before we, actually, I didn't say this to you earlier when, before we'd recorded the call, but I was trying to work out what it was about a particular email um, that makes me open it. And I was looking and I was thinking, is it the title? Is it the subject line that gets me? Is that the first thing that I'm interested in? And the answer that dawned to me was, no, it really isn't. It's about who it's from. So the, uh. like, the, the first criteria to jump through is, do I actually know you? You know, is this Sarah Jones, who I actually know in the real world, or John Smith, who I actually know in the real world? If it passes that test... It's gonna get opened. That's the first barrier. Once that barrier's, um, you know, so if like David, if you wrote me an email, I'm gonna open it without a shadow of a doubt. Mm. Then mm. I I then hit the sort of the company 
type of email. And the, the emails that I'll open are from companies that I care about. Um, there's mm. something, again, I said it a minute ago, something self-serving about it. If I open this email from this company that I care about, there's, a, there's likely to be a benefit to me. So an example might be, I don't know, uh, last week I bought a set of speakers. I didn't, but let's imagine that I did. Um, and I get an email from that company. Well, maybe that's like a follow-up email. Maybe that's something that would be helpful to me. I, I'm, I'm likely to open it. Equally, if, yeah. uh, if a plugin that I have bought and paid for and have vested interest in, if they email me, I'm likely to open it. But if random plugin company somehow sends me an email and I've got no real interaction with this particular company or a, or a brand uh, selling me dishwashers or whatever emails me and I've got no interaction with that company, that's pretty much likely going to fail the test. Not just that. Mm. It's, it's, you know, I'll, I'll accept a few of those in my inbox and I'll delete them without opening them. But if they keep mm. recurring and they keep coming into my inbox, I'm immediately going to open it and go straight for the unsubscribe link. I'm going to look. Str- mm. I'm going to scroll straight to the bottom, find the unsubscribe button, and do it. So I think not. It's not always about the clever subject line. I think it's mostly about mm. um, the interactions <clears throat> that you've had with these people in the past. Whether or not there's a benefit to you, whether or not you are perceived by the the recipient as being worthwhile, a good entity. You know. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Hmm. Yeah, no. Well, it's the emojis that make me open it. <laughs> that's yeah, a complete that's... lie. Can well, you remember that was a thing, wasn't it? Oh, emojis. That's you know, make that, the open rates. That just has crept into my inbox. I'm I'm going to open my inbox very quickly whilst we're talking and scan down so I can fit about twenty emails on my screen at any one time. Three of them have got emojis in the subject line, and I I, I don't like it. <laughs> I <laughs> don't want to. Don't want to open them. <laughs> yeah. It's a real objection. That's yeah. ridiculous, isn't it? But yeah. So th- well, the point I'm trying to make is, if and goodness knows this is probably the hardest challenge you're ever going to face. But if you can, if you can somehow build that relationship, build that trust, become. And I know you're a company, and you're not going to be a real friend to the people receiving your email. But if you can be the friendliest company in their inbox and deliver content. Um, that's a value from the get-go, then I think you're likely mm. to get opened. And also, to add to it, if you send an email every single day in a sequence mm. that I was kind of not that sure I was going to be signing up for anyway, I just think, yeah. no, forget that. That's, that's that, It feels to me those days have passed. You've reminded me of something I mentioned that I wanted to do, which is very relevant to this, but I I don't know when I'll get to do it. But that was, I wanted to do a little email sequence, which was um, a a five-minute how you can improve your website thing. Something that I could give to existing clients if they wanted to do a bit of DIY, but something to give out to people who wanted to improve their website in the hope that they might come one day and get used to me and think, well, I'll just do a rebuild with this guy. And I think that's fine. I think, well, I could be wrong. This could be a total fail. But if I get it together, at least when you sign up for that, you're being told that you're going to get these five minutes every week. 
Yep. So you already decided. And I think that's what you're pointing out. The fact is that often when you sign up to something, they flood you out with information about how you can use their product. And you really, you only signed up because you didn't want to forget about their product. And this is just way too much suddenly. Yeah. And also the, the, the frequency with which they arrive. I've noticed, and, and I'm only making this connection as, as I speak. I hadn't really noticed it prior to this, that mm. companies that do exactly what you said. So you mentioned a week. To, mm. f- for my personal taste, a week is too often. I, mm. I, the companies who email me maybe once a month, I am more likely to upload uh, to, to sorry to open those. Um, and the the companies that email, like as I said to you earlier before the call started, I, I signed up to a a, a a subscription service the other week. And mm. I, when I say I signed up, I signed up for a free trial, and they've mm. hit me every single day for the last mm. two weeks. So now I'm on email 15 or something like that. And and I probably opened the first two. After that point, I could detect yeah. that the value was almost zero. And the other, yeah. the other 13 are just sitting there. And at some point in the very near future, I'm just going to open one of them simply to, to unsubscribe. So I think the frequency is quite, is quite important. And who knows what the capacity for different human beings is there. But I, my personal take is that every week is probably too much. But I, I make no use of this, but I'm assuming that this technology exists. That, you know, if, if for, for some reason, David, you gave out those emails and you mm. detected that nobody was interacting with them, you know, if, you, if your active campaign or whatever system you're using mm-hmm. could work out that, well, actually, I've sent them four every week mm-hmm. for the last four weeks and none of them have been opened. I think I think mm. deploying some technology so that they then went onto a different list, which in you know engaged them far less, maybe once every two or three months, might be wise. Because clearly you're not you're not making any inroads with them. They're not opening your stuff, and you're just going to annoy them. And surely it's better to be uh, better to be on their list and sending infrequently than to be unsubscribed from their list. Um, because you've sent it far too often at the beginning. Yeah, I'm sure people are doing that. I think that's happened, you know, with, uh, in fact, an email solution like Active Campaign that I've got, where they seem to, fl- I bought their product and they seem to flood me too much initially because I bought it and I was going to get round to looking at it. But somehow their emails have become very useful. Their subject lines have actually been along the lines of something, oh, I am interested in this new, either new thing that they're doing or something that I could use. Right. And, it's, and, and, and my relationships change. So I wonder whether, I, I imagine they're smart enough to look at the figures and know when to drop people out. If they see there's no opens or I haven't clicked on a link for a long time, I go into another list, I'm sure, where the, the emails come less frequently. So I'm, I bet a lot of po- folks do this very well and and. We can't really judge our own reaction, can we? Because they'll be looking at the overall numbers. So yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, it does. It's, it does. It, it, but the inbox for me, like I said, is is the single most likely place to be overwhelmed and annoyed uh, by people. So I think it is worth getting it right. Um, yeah. And, uh, but like I said, subject lines, contrary to what most people would tell you, that the subject line for me is is not the the the, the supreme gatekeeper. It's who you are, really. And yes. what, what kind of level, what kind of relationship I've got with you? If I've bought something from you recently, um, like I said, I'll probably open it. If I know you personally, I'll definitely open it. If I, you know, have the vaguest hint that I'm not really uh, interacted with you at all, and you're sending me a 
clearly a salesy email. It's not even going to get opened. I'm not even going to f- no. try to in- explore what content you send me. It's just going to going to hit the bin and add to the carbon footprint. Let me ask you this then. So if there was a my lead magnet was the one that I was planning where it already gives you an indication that you're going to get this series of emails. Do you think that's likely to put you off because you know you're going to get those emails or do you think that will set the expectation right so you'll be more likely to open the emails? Yeah, it's a really interesting question and I think the answer is ugh, you're not going to like this. It's a bit of both. <laughs> that's really not helpful, is it? So if it so let's say for example at, at the minute i'm doing quite a lot of um cycling right so i'm really interested in bikes um all the yeah. all the stuff surrounded by bikes is is kind of forcing itself to the front of my attention so if i went to a bike website and i was told explicitly look we're going to give you 14 emails one a day um, in telling you how to improve your cycling technique, which, believe it or not, there is a thing. There is a way to ride mm-hmm. a bike. Then, yeah, all right, that's fine. That's really useful to me. But if I went to, um, oh, I don't know, a different website and they said, we're going to send you sales emails about bikes, showing you the latest bikes, probably not. Because I can kind of, yeah. you know, I'm, there's not really a lot of added benefit to that. I can browse your website to find the price of your bikes and what color they are and what sizes they're available in. And I can do that on my own terms. So it's really mm. about what the message is that's going to be coming in my direction. There's a really, there's a fascinating web, I, I think it's a website. I'm sure it must be a website, but I don't interact with the website. Uh, it's called Jack's Flight Club. And okay. uh, it's this guy called Jack, uh, believe it or not. And he must have, <laughs> I guess, at some point worked in the travel industry. But he, uh, he spends his entire day trying to find mm. cheap flights. And when he finds a cheap flight, you know, a, a flight, let's say, from, it could be anywhere going from London to Bangkok, as an example. Mm-hmm. If he suddenly discovers a cheap flight, he just whacks it in an email and sends it out. Right. Mm. Um, so supremely useful, like completely spraying like mm-hmm. he has no conception of whether I want to go to Bangkok or not, but that's not the point. Just putting mm-hmm. the, the the email out there, and it's got a headline which tells me it's London to Bangkok and it costs this much. So the subject line tells me if I want to interact with it or just delete it. So mostly I delete them, but occasionally mm-hmm. a destination will pop up and I'll be thinking, ooh, ooh, I might be interested mm-hmm. in that, and so I open it. So I think it's very much about whether it's of interest to you. Um, and the, the truth is I'm not going to be interested in everything. It's not a failure. Um, it's just the way it is. But I think yeah. the frequency is crucial. Um, and I think in, email overload is a real thing. Uh, yeah. Also interesting that, that, you know, really he gives you the information in the subject line, so you don't need to open it, which is probably maybe not so great for him, but but probably he's working more these days because I think what used to work was trying to intrigue, you know, as we see in Facebook, people are masters at telling these partial stories and you'll never guess what happened next kind of thing. You know, it's, right. you know, you know, they usually get clicks throughs, but I wonder if we're particularly with emails, whether we, if I see something like now, obvious clickbait, it's very likely that I will just ignore it now because I'm, I'm trained to ignore it because yeah. usually there's not the value there. Well, so, I, I put out this mm. WP builds deals email and mm. I'm going to, I'm going to pitch it now. 
very quickly. Um, it's you go to wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe, and one of the boxes is for this alerts email, and mm. and it's exactly the same thing. If I hear about a WordPress deal, yeah. then I will just literally write a plain text email, and the title, the subject line, tells you what it is and how much is off. And my mm. intention with that email is is simply that you, if you detect that the subject line is of importance then obviously I would like you to open it. But the the intention is that if the subject line is not of interest to you, you delete it. And I'm making it really easy to know whether it's, you know, so let's say, for example, that, oh, I don't know, um, ACF uh, offer mm. 50% off for one day only. Well, I put that mm. email out and in the subject line, I say 50% off for ACF today only. Mm. And that's the whole point. If you don't want it, mm. don't don't mm. open it. You know, there's nothing nothing inside that email of any interest apart from that. And if you open it, mm. you can find out where to click and blah 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 blah. And it, I think mm. that's I think that's good and honest and worth worth doing that way. Yeah. Well, certainly. I mean, I, I my own senses. I don't know how many of our audience will feel the same, but I feel that because. Uh, websites have got devalued. We have to learn. This has to be part of the service package that I at least have, have to offer now, this kind of content marketing. And to some degree, I did a little bit of that for somebody. I was writing their blog posts in order to get the kind of SEO for them. And I feel it's this is a whole topic I need to learn more of. But maybe not, you know, <laughs> maybe that's just me. But it does feel like we, it's just part of the package, isn't it, now with a website? Yeah. You know, it's... Yeah. It, it, uh, it's now what we have to learn about. Hey, look, just can I go on to a, a bit of a topic that I'm, I'm interested in? And that is, hmm. if we need to be taking her advice about putting out these useful bits of content for our business, which is also generally kind of high ticket price, what kind of content are we going to be putting out for yeah. our blog posts and that? Do you know what's interesting is that I got this so wrong um, yeah. I put out, I'm thinking back uh, oh, at least a decade ago, and it was a Drupal site with my business on it, and I've mothballed it years ago. But I just wrote, God, it's just so basic a mistake. I wrote a load of technical content, like how to do things with Drupal. So it, if I'd have been using WordPress at the time, it would have been about how to do stuff with WordPress. And mm. and it feels to me like I I completely missed the target there. You know, I just shot completely. It's like somebody <laughs> nudged my elbow or something when I fired the arrow, um, because it feels to me the content that I should be writing is is content that my clients would like to use, and and it, that is not largely about how to interact with the website. I mean, a couple of them, but most of my clients don't really want to interact mm. with WordPress. So the stuff that you're talking about, how to how to write um, decent blog posts, SEO of those blog posts. All sorts of things like that, you know, the marketing side of things would be useful. Those kind of posts would be far more useful than the technicalities of WordPress, I think. Yeah, well, you've done it twice, haven't you? You did it with yeah. Drupal and then, yeah. and then look what we're doing now. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I, I think it's great because, I mean, you know, we're doing this kind of indirectly. It'll help with our perceived authority in the, the subject, and that's useful, but it is very indirect. I, do you know what? I, what makes me cringe a lot, but it probably works still, is the amount of articles, you know, by people who 
build websites on how to choose a web designer. You know, mm. <laughs> and you just think, uh, and really, it is nothing more than you know, uh, you know, what they are basically. Yes. You yes. Like anybody who's not me, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I wonder about those. I wonder if they fool anybody at all, or because I obviously I look at them quite cynically. <laughs> well, no, I think I think that's right. I I do I do struggle with writing. You know, that is to say, advising my clients to write lots of these blog posts. Just because I a I know that they're probably not going to keep it up, uh, which is very again cynical of me. But also, um, I'm I'm never sure what the what the return on those things is. I think it's such a long game. You've got to do it so well. Especially if you're in a competitive field, like you know, if you're selling socks to the to the population of Bristol exclusively, then <laughs> that probably wouldn't be too difficult to pull off. But if you are, you know, selling widgets to the whole of the United Kingdom, man alive, it's difficult. It's really difficult. Yeah, I think this all requires a bit of lateral thinking, and I think this is why uh, clients. A struggle to get this idea I, st- I still think you know we've i'm sure we've talked about this before when they think they want a blog they really are trying to put a news outlet about their company mm. they just want to tell you about a meeting that they had and a new range they're going to introduce they don't really think laterally about what other things do their visitors uh, what are their other interests and what do they need help with that isn't about selling my product directly i think you know that's hard for people to get into that mindset well you know we've lived through that whole age haven't we that we've grown up through mass marketing and mm. and that's effectively that's only a very short period of our history isn't it it's only really since we've had radio and tv yes really i think we're i think uh, we're quite lucky to have been born into an era where the the internet wasn't around i don't know it's going to sound ridiculous but having <laughs> got a very different perspective you know the day when print was king was yeah. was real in my life and um and it's it is quite good to have that as a contrast how less yeah. how less busy it was and how less frenetic it was yeah but it took me i don't know about you it took me a long time to understand what digital marketers were talking about yeah. you know yeah. in terms of offering value it's really i think still one of the biggest challenges for clients to get them onto this idea of doing this kind of work and we're also you know we're in a in an era where people with tiny amounts of small change can actually advertise effectively to people yeah. who really want to have their their product put in front of them you know before mm. it was only the the large corporations that could afford to do this, and it was a lot of wasted money because most of the people didn't want it. But now, everybody's able to get in front of uh, an audience because of platforms like Facebook. So whilst it's scary on the one hand, it's incredibly powerful and uh, useful on the other. Yeah, and I think one of the most frustrating things for me always because you want to help your clients when they're coming to you, and you often you can see that they have an opportunity to to kind of compete with the big boys because of that, because it is so cheap, but it is going to be time consuming. And then they're going to have to take some time out to do something that doesn't feel directly what they're used to doing in mm. terms of advertising their business. Mm. And it's always frustrating that they uh, it can't get them to get so excited because they just can't switch around the mindset from what we grew up with mass media. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, <laughs> and then of course there's the whole problem of what kind of content you produce you know whether that's 
blog posts, mm. which is what we've largely talked about, or whether you you know go off in all sorts of different directions and produce things on Twitter or YouTube. But feels to me like that might be the um, might be the domain <laughs> of the next episode. It, that was a beautiful segue. Yes. Oh, do you like <laughs> Indeed. that? Oh, yeah, I loved yeah. it. Okay, it was completely oh, by accident, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yes, next week we're talking about how to deliver content. Actually, it won't be next week. It'll be the week after next because we, yes. uh, yeah, we put these out right. every so often. So, yeah, that was a really interesting chat. Like we said at the top, really rangy. And, um, you know, I think that's what I like about these chats, that they just go off in all sorts of random directions. And uh, But enough said, I think, for this week. Yep. Okay, well, yeah. we will knock it on the head in that case. All right, no. bye. Bye-bye. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that. Always a pleasure to chat with David Wormsley. Really interesting subject. As I said at the beginning, it's not something which David and I feel that we're particularly expert on, but it doesn't stop us talking about it because I think it's a subject that your clients are going to want to talk about as well, how to get their marketing done correctly. So emails and blog posts and so on and so forth. And what is too much? How much information is information overload? The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by WP and Up. One in four of us will be directly affected by mental health related illness. WP and Up supports and promotes positive mental health within the WordPress community. This is achieved through mentorship, events, training and counselling. Please help enable WP and Up by visiting wpandup.org forward slash give. OK, we will, of course, be doing another podcast episode next Thursday. They come out every Thursday. And also on a Monday, we put out a weekly WordPress news where I sum up in about 20 to 30 minutes in audio form what's happened in the world of WordPress. And then following that, every Monday at 2 p.m. UK time, we have a live version of that news. We use that news as a sort of template for our discussion. And I have some notable WordPressers on live on video chatting. You can find that at wpbuilds.com forward slash live or in our Facebook group, which is wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook. So I hope to see you at some point within the next seven days. And for now, I'm going to fade in the cheesy music and say bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.